0: I'll have my revenge and death stalker, too.
1: Hello and welcome to Staff Picks, the podcast for movie nerds by movie nerds. As always, I'm Mario Lanza and I am your host on our journey out there through movies that I feel just deserve a little more love, a little more attention in the world. And our movie today is its especially close to my heart, near and dear to my heart, because this is a movie that I have been pimping out to people for about 20 years I mean, really, since about the start of when the internet came about and people would get on there, college students, this was me at the time, and people would be talking about movies and pop culture, and this is the one, this was always my one, when people would say, what's a movie that you like that most people don't know about? And I'm like, there's this B-movie, sword and sorcery movie from the late 80s called Deathstalker Two, Duel of the Titans, it is such a fun movie and it's one of these that I just have got to talk to the world about and I've been doing that for about 20 years and I'm so excited because today on my podcast I have the actual director of the movie the man who wrote it the guy who's behind the the brainchild behind one of my favorite movies of all time Jim Wynorski and I'm so excited you're here welcome to the show Jim
0: oh thank you Mario
1: Now, um, before we get into this I have so much I want to say about Deathstalker I I know there's a lot that you want to talk about Because a lot of people don't know the story behind this movie But um, you're a a Hollywood director Or a director I don't know if you do B-movies, right? Would you consider yourself a Hollywood director Or a B-movie director? Well,
0: I live in Hollywood (laughs) So I guess I'm a Hollywood director, okay? And I've I've done 167 movies over the course of the years and i guess that puts me in the in the running
1: <laughs> excellent yeah that that is 167 more movies than i have directed so <laughs> you are by far the most uh... uh no
0: i i didn't direct 167 i i think i've directed 100 but there's another 67 i've written and produced that i i lump into that big category
1: <laughs> okay well, either way, again, you've done, you've been doing this for thirty, forty years, and just off the top of my head, is Deathstalker the movie that you get the most attention for these days, or is uh, what would be your the movie people would know you from?
0: You know, some people claim it's Chopping Mall, some people claim it's The Return of Swamp Thing, um, and other other people, you know, everybody likes a different movie. I get e- emails and fan, fan, well, not fan letters anymore because mail went out. Males pass but i do get emails and uh from a lot of people saying oh i like this movie or that movie so i'm glad they're out there and i'm glad they're enjoy- being enjoyed
1: yeah and i know you're very prominent on facebook which is how i found you in fact it was only just a little bit ago i didn't even realize you had a facebook page so i had friended you and you post on there very regularly so like you're one of the most active people i know on facebook well
0: Sometimes I get bored in the middle of the night and I post some shots. <laughs> yeah.
1: So, De- Deathstalker Two. This is—I have to tell you, Jim. Just right off the top of my head here, right off the bat, you're—you're you're breaking two firsts here today. You are the first person I've had on the show who actually directed the movie I talk—I'm talking about. Usually, I just have a fan on, but with Deathstalker Two, I wanted to do a special thing. Okay. This is also the first sequel I have ever done on Staff Picks. I have done 50 shows, and I am very much, in general, anti-sequel. I just don't like the idea of people of sequels, you know, ripping off the idea of the original.
0: As, this, as, a, as a matter of course, I'll tell you that I didn't consider it a sequel. I don't consider it a sequel. It is not a sequel. There's nothing from the first Deathstalker that is brought over to the second one, except a few stock footage of some pig guys. That's it, uh, because I, I didn't want to make a, uh, a sequel to the original. I thought that the original was, you know, okay, but certainly not something I wanted to emulate. And because uh, I have a sense of humor, and I figured, okay, well, I'll use the I use my sense of humor in the, in, the, in making Deathstalker Two. I knew it was called Desk Two when I went down to make it but I had no intention of following in the footsteps of the uh, the first one.
1: Oh, yeah, okay, let's let's set the story here for people who don't know this movie. I will give it just a real quick overview. Deathstalker 2, in essence, is a barbarian movie, like Conan the Barbarian, like the original Deathstalker, but it's really not in that you and your crew turned it into like a screwball comedy, right? Would that be a safe way to describe it?
0: I would say yes, we did. I, I I wouldn't say screwball comedy. but I would say a romantic comedy. Okay. Because it's it's loaded with romance and it's based on a very famous romantic comedy that won an Oscar called It Happened One Night, directed by Frank Capra.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And that was my uh, that was my inspiration uh, for the for uh, my version of Deathstalker.
1: Okay, so so help me with the timeline here. So if I call you, worked for Roger Corman, right? This is a Roger Corman production.
0: Yes, it was. It was the last of the. It was the last of the Argentine productions. Deathstalker One was the first, and then they made a number of others: uh, Barbarian Queen, um, Amazons, and uh, there was another one in there uh, that I. Kind of oh, warrior and sorceress with David Carradine. Okay, and the last one on the on the production list was Deathstalker two. So by that time they'd run out of money, <laughs> and I said okay, we won't have the big Amazon fights and things that they had in the originals because I don't need them. Mm-hmm. I, I I I looked at the original. And I was able to pull some stock footage from the first the first Deathstalker and uh, some some stock footage from a picture called Amazon's, which nobody remembers. And uh, we put them all into Deathstalker 2. And then I, then uh, along with John Terleski, who, the, who was the star, we used to sit in the hotel at night and write what we would do the next day
2: mm-hmm. or
0: the day after. And then we'd go in the morning and give the new pages to the actors who would be like, dumbfounded by what they were getting cuz they came <laughs> thinking they were going to do the original script but I said I made an announcement several times I said we are not making that script which got me in a little trouble with the, with the production company cuz um they said uh, they called him Roger meeting and said immediately and they said this kid's out of control okay
2: mm-hmm.
0: and and Roger came down with his wife and kids to see what I'd shot already. And he was very, you know, uh, uh, you know, kindly to the project. Mm-hmm. Felt very kindly. He said, he said, You're doing you're doing something different, but I can see that you're doing it well and continue on. So he he left and then that's when I we came up with the idea of doing a kind of a Rocky ripoff. <laughs> and I said I called Roger, I said, send down the, the toughest Amazon woman Wrestler that you can find. And he he did. And that's to his credit. Because, you know, we weren't making the Deathstalker 2 a script that uh, had been written by a guy named Neil Ruttenberg.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And uh, he still gets credit, but, um, and uh, John and I did the whole thing ourselves. (laughs) And I'm very proud of that picture because it's so fun. And so many people have warmed up to it over the years.
1: Yeah, it's when I discovered Deathstalker 2, I'm trying to paint a picture who have never people who have never seen this movie before because again, my audience sends me much younger than me. I'm in my 40s, so I'm selling this to people in their teens and 20s. Punks, just punks. <laughs> They're punks. Yes. <laughs> They're punks. They're well-meaning punks. What do they know? What do they know? They want to be educated, Jim. They want to learn. <laughs> All right, kids.
0: Go out Go to Amazon, rent Deathstalker two, or uh, watch it on watch it on, on DVD. I think there's a Blu-ray, but it's not a printer. edition.
1: Yeah, it's. Uh, I have the DVD, which I know it has the director's commentary on it. Which I know you kind of disavow that version because there's scenes in there that the uh, produ- that the studio put in there that you didn't want afterwards.
0: Oh, I hated that version. <laughs> yeah. I hated that version because that was they did that to extend the length of the movie. Uh, now here's the here's the timeline. Vestron in the 80s put out my version.
1: Mm-hmm. That's the VHS, right?
0: That's the VHS and the Laserdisc. Okay. That was my version. Kids, there was these big discs, silver discs, when you know before you were born, <laughs> that they put movies on. They were called Laserdisc. They're gone now. Um, um, but then they then Roger put a DVD out, and it was the longer version. And I was happy that it was out because it had some footage i I, I wanted to see preserved, mm-hmm. so I, I did it, I, so I did a commentary um, and then thankfully, uh, Shout Factory put out the original on DVD and and then put out a blu-ray of the original, mm-hmm. which I was very happy to get a hold of. That's the timeline on all the versions.
1: <laughs> okay, now, see, I love that commentary. That's one of my all-time favorite movie commentaries, and it's a shame that it's on the version that you don't like.
0: Oh, that's the way it goes. It's <laughs> the way it goes. You know? Um, I think we were... I mean, Tony Naples and I were half-gassed when we were doing that, and John was there, too. And we were drinking beers and having a gun all the time. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's. I wish I could uh, describe that commentary to people again. Just think of okay, I I, I really let's do. I'm going to do a big overview of this picture just for people who don't know it. This we're talking about Roger Corman productions. People who know Mystery Science Theater would know Roger Corman. They riffed a bunch of his movies, and they're always taking digs at how cheap his movies are. But at the same time, th- I think this is right, Jim. Uh, Jim that, that, that Roger Corman has claimed he's never made a movie that wasn't profitable. Right?
0: He's made a couple. <laughs> but he, but I'll, I'll, but you know, I'll, I'll, I'll keep the legend going.
1: <laughs> okay. So Roger Corman missed out. He wanted to make Conan the Bar- Barbarian. I think he didn't make it, and he was upset because it was a big hit. So he made this uh, rip off of Conan called Deathstalker. Have, now, have you seen the original Deathstalker? Are you even familiar with it? Yes, of course. Okay. And then again they wrote a sequel and they send Jim and just a bunch of your buddies down to Argentina to make this Deathstalker 2 in 87 and like you said you took took a look at the script and you said this is crap let's just make it up make up our own movie and like you said you turned it into a Frank Capra romantic comedy disguised as a barbarian movie
0: with with action <laughs> with action and it was uh, it was it was 1986 that's right. Not 87.
1: Okay, it came out in 87, or at least it. That's the copyright date now. Right, okay, it yeah.
0: came out in 87. It was in every video store you you walked into.
1: This never got a theatrical release, right? It went straight to video.
0: Straight to video. Okay.
1: Yeah, and and like I said when I discovered it it was on USA Up All Night and um <laughs> it's it's hard to describe that show to people who are younger now but USA Up All Night was if your your parents didn't let you watch R-rated movies it's where you could catch the TV versions of them late late at night on USA and maybe you'd see something approximating a boob at one point.
0: <laughs> yeah, I remember. I remember. Yeah. Ronda Shear.
1: Ronda Shear and, and Gilbert.
0: Uh, Gilbert Godfrey. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: so i discovered this movie late one night i was just watching tv and i you know i I had seen a couple sword and sorcery movies and just one night i I stumbled onto this one and it was the wrestling scene that you talked about where Deathstalker fights queen kong from uh, glow yeah (laughs) and i was just enamored by the spirit of this movie because the, the, the the one thing i'm trying to describe this to people who've maybe never seen this movie it's just it's just irreverent. And uh, what is the word? You used a word earlier where it doesn't really fit in the time period that it's set in.
0: I, it, it's all anachronistic, <laughs> which means uh, we didn't give a damn about, you know, this is not the prehistoric Conan times. It is, but, you know, the restaurants have open 24-hour signs and uh, and people are doing things that they wouldn't normally do in that kind of time period. But I didn't care. I thought, okay, it's funny. Stay with fun. Stay with fun.
1: Yeah, and it really is funny. I remember laughing the entire way through the movie, and you're not laughing because it's not well done. You're laughing because it's clearly, like I said, I didn't know you. I'm like, whoever made this movie wasn't really interested in making a straight barbarian movie. It's so like a off center and fun and just, and just, you can tell the actors are having a good time. That's the one thing I always think of when I watch Death Stalker too, like John Treleski, the Tony Naples, Monique Gabriel, they're having a ball.
0: That's right. We had, uh, we had, we had a good group. Um, and uh, we hung out at, a, at all at the same hotel, which was like the, the, the overlook from the shining. Okay. <laughs> there was nobody there. It was this big giant hotel. that only had, people on weekends but during the week it was just us and it was such a crazy hotel and you could scream down the halls and nobody would hear you so um so we we hung out there on the top floor um and uh John and I would sit in the TV room um in the lounge and just write these new scenes and uh we would we were hysterical we were just I said, "What if we did this? What if we did this?" And you know, we continually had to rewrite scenes because the original script was so awful. It wasn't—I wouldn't say it was awful. It was just mundane. Mm-hmm. And I said, "I don't want to do this." And so that's why we we went with the "It Happened One Night" scenario. Um, and uh, I doubled Monique's acting ability because uh, she got to play t- two different parts. Uh, so there's a little, um, there's a little, you know, double, you know, double uh, twins action going on, and uh, I, had a, I had a good time. I had a good time.
1: Yeah, let's talk about Monique Gabriel for a second here because I have mentioned her before on staff picks that she's a like a dark horse favorite and one of my favorite B movie actresses. Just because I've done. I've already done another movie featuring her on Staff Picks. We did Bachelor Party, where she shows up with Tom Hanks. Right. And then this is the second Monique Gabriel movie, which is really her magnum opus, because like you said, she plays two roles. And in the future, I'm doing Amazon Women on the Moon, where she literally just walks naked through the entire movie.
0: That, that, you know, um, it's odd, but uh, I was uh, having a good time down there, and uh, she was a little bit put off by the... The, the location because mm-hmm. there was nothing to do at night um, there was a restaurant across the street that you know and it was all meat anything in that, anything in a restaurant down there was meat and lettuce that's it and so but you know she got into the spirit of things and I loved what she was doing I kind of had to force her to do different things she said I can't do that I said yes you can you can you can be funny and um, she says, this isn't working. I said, yes, it is. It's working. And, and and so I got, you know, basically two different performances. People have watched that movie and said, you know, the princess was great, but uh, the the evil princess was this. And, and I said, it's the same person.
1: Yeah, yeah, Monique is uh, great in that movie. And I will be the first person to admit, when I saw this movie, again, I was like 13 years old. I was so in love with her, especially as the waif, as the good Princess Evie. Like, I remember just watching this movie and thinking, like, I'm watching her. I'm like, she doesn't seem like maybe she's the best natural actress in the world. Some of it's a little over the top. Like, she acts a lot with her eyebrows and she rolls her eyes a lot. But she had such natural charm that she was easily one of the first actresses as a kid. I just absolutely fell in love with how charming she was. And I, I just always thought that when I even when I watched the movie today, like you just sense that she was this really fun, sweet person at that age. And I just, I, I like, was she really like that in real life? Just very sweet like that?
0: Yes. Yes. Her real name was Catherine Gonzalez. Mm-hmm. And we had a, you know, as, as I, as I, you know, watched the, I was watching that film every day while I was editing it. Mm-hmm. And, the more I watched it, the more I, like you, fell in love with her. And, you know, we started going out. We lived, we were together for about five years Man. from 85 to 91 or 92.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And so that, you know, we were, got a house together. <laughs> it's really weird, but that's what happened. And, you know, she was very sweet. She was very sweet, but then she had a kind of a big thing with some of her family issues and and we, we split apart. But uh, um, it was an interesting five years or six years.
1: Yeah. And again just it's just uh so such a treat watching her now in this movie, just watching I mean her <laughs> I will say though, she I think she sets the Guinness Book of World Records for the most time screaming the word stalker in one movie.
2: Stalker? Stalker Stalker Stalker
0: that's true. That's true. But you know something? Again, when, when we we were making this film, we were having such a good old time. Finally, she got into the part, mm-hmm. and, and it was fun. It was just a fun time. And uh, I, I can't tell you how much it was a good time we had down there, because John and I and uh, Tony and Monique would go out every weekend, to Buenos Aires and just, you know, stay up till all hours and have a good old time. And, you know, while I was, da- while I was down there, uh, she got, uh, Roger called me and said, is she good enough to play Emmanuel? And I said, yes, he is good enough to play Emmanuel. She just needs a good director. And so she left directly from Argentina and flew to Europe to do Emmanuel Five. I remember going to the airport down in Orange County to pick her up when she when she landed, and I said, "How was it?" And she says, "I hated every." <laughs>
1: <laughs> it wasn't Death <Deathstalker> two.
0: <laughs> she said the director didn't know what he was doing, and I said, "Okay, well," and you know, Death Stalker two hadn't come out yet, hmm. and I remember the day that, or the week it came out, Daily Variety wrote a. Very glowing review of it, and singled her out for her performance, saying what a delight it was and She read that, and suddenly uh, you know she had stars in her eyes and i, I and she deserved the, the the good glowing review because she'd done such a great job and uh, edit there's an editor named Steve Barnett went on to direct other movies and he cut the movie and did a spectacular job of cutting all around any problem she had. Mm -hmm. And uh, so anyway, that's some of the Deathstalker two stories.
1: Yeah, she really is the heart of the movie and she's like, I was, just like you said in that story, I was shocked when I got to the end the first time and I realized that it, that was the same actress playing the evil seer and then the good seer. Like, I didn't even realize that was the same person. That's, that's, that's the thing like, you like, it's weird saying, well, she did like, pulled off this amazing, great performance because you can tell, like, again, she wasn't really a natural actress, but like, her personality is so incredibly different in just her body language that, again, I, I am not surprised that you fell in love with her too since I did.
0: Well, you know, uh, it, I think a lot of people did.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I think a lot of people did, because I know my editor asked her out. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it was, again, it was like, she was great. She was great. I, and I put her. I think I put her in everything after that. Uh, she was supposed to be one of the girls in Big Bad Mama 2, but she had some other commitment at the time. Then I ended up, I put her in Now Earth. I put her in Return of Swamp Thing. I put her in Transylvania Twist. I put her in Munchie. She so, you know, that's, and that's right around 92 when we broke up. Hmm. But, uh, she was a sweetheart. I, I, she, 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 she kind of disappeared. So that's why she's not on the commentary.
1: Ah, yeah, that's too bad. I really would like to hear her impression or her thoughts on this movie, especially you know, 30 years later. I'd I'd be very curious to hear from her.
0: Well, um, you know, she she got involved with some guy that brought her into all sorts of a of, of bad things, mm-hmm. and uh, it it ended up where she had to leave town, and uh, I think she lives in Florida now, somewhere. But uh, I haven't spoken to her. Since since 91, when we we had our little goodbye, and that was it, so, but you know, I wish her well, yeah. and uh, I thank her for all her good performances.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and yeah, it was just a shame as, you know, 14-year-old me falling in love with her, realizing, I think, maybe someday I'll meet her and ask her out, and realizing I'm already third in line between you, behind you and the editor, so already I had no chance, so,
0: well, there was a lot of there was a lot of other competition going on back then too. She had she had guys, you know, you know, actors and everything else going out with her. So, so it was it was interesting.
1: Yeah, just after Bachelor Party alone, I imagine she would have been very popular.
0: <laughs> I remember that's you know I hadn't met her, I hadn't seen Bachelor Party, so um, I went to see it. And I said, wow, this girl's hot, okay? So that's why I hired her for the role.
1: For people who might not know uh, Deathstalker or Monique Gabriel, who we're talking about, she was, if you know Bachelor Party, she's the dream girl, Tracy, who appears to Tom Hanks and tries to tempt him away from Debbie. It's a very, very, very famous scene, and that was her, really her introduction, I think, to movies. And she, again, had a pretty good thing going in the 80s. She she,
0: she, did, a lot of, she did a lot of movies in the 80s.
1: She had a great thing going. Although, okay, getting back to Deathstalker 2, there's a couple things I want to point out to people just to sell this movie to them if they've never seen it before. And again, I said it's a it's a barbarian movie that's very anachronistic, very irreverent. There's jokes and stuff. There's a couple things I wrote down here, Jim. I'd like to hear your comments on these.
0: All right, go ahead.
1: The number of spit takes in this movie is legendary.
0: Yeah. we were, that, that was all based on Danny Thomas. <laughs> John and I were both, you know, had seen these Danny Thomas shows, and Danny Thomas was famous for spit takes.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And, and I said, "All right, Death Talker is gonna, whenever he gets <laughs> hit up for something he doesn't expect, he does a spit take." So, <laughs> you know, when the when the when the Amazon woman, the uh, princess, wants to marry, says he's gonna, she's gonna marry him. He does a spit take, and he takes off and uh and so you know we were we were doing trying to do funny and any any time that we had a chance to do funny we did it
1: yeah and that follow that up you have puns in here in this movie there's puns all over the place there's like old-timey jokes and there's one that in particular that i love is that the the why i oughta when Deathstalker's mad at Evie, he keeps bringing back the Y.I. Otta. Like, that's right out of, like, an old gangster comedy. Yeah.
0: I mean, yipe. He's doing he's doing Bugs Bunny, okay? <laughs> I mean, there's so many references. I mean, I could go through the film and do reference after reference. I mean, he quotes an Abbott and Costello. There's an Abbott and Costello gag. I believe that when they say, looks like he died with a gag in his mouth. And stalker says... Well, if he did, he never had a chance to tell it, and <laughs> I mean, there's throwaway lines like that for the whole picture, and we we just and we were hysterical. John and I were like, monique didn't get it, but John and I were hysterical. I was saying this picture you're we saying this picture is going to be just so fun to watch at the end.
1: okay, um let me point out the laugh-in gag for people who
0: oh, very interesting. I had to do that.
1: If people don't realize how far this movie goes in the direction of not being a barbarian movie and making you laugh, they literally steal the most famous bit from Laugh-In, where Deathstalker and Evie are peering through the plants, and one of them says, or Deathstalker says, very interesting.
0: <laughs> how to do it. How to do it.
1: Yeah. And then let's point out the James Bond line that you stole. Oh.
0: Oh, that's the one with the during the Pit in the Pendulum scene.
1: Yeah, there's a pit in the pendulum where Deathstalker's about to get sawed in half. And what does the villainess say to him? I
0: believe she says, uh, no, I expect you to die. You know, he says, do you expect me to talk? And she says, no, I expect you to die. I had to do it. (laughs) Because it's, I'm a big Goldfinger fan. Where's the little princess? You don't expect me to talk. No, no, no. I expect you to die
1: as a kid, I don't realize these are all movie references. It's only when I get older and I hear your commentary on the DVD, you and Terleski are pointing these out left and right. And I'm just dying at how many like references to other movies are in this movie.
0: Oh yeah. We, we were going to town. We were going to town and I had a great time. That's why, you know, and I don't think even Roger Corman got them all. You know, there's a, there's one at the very beginning where I says, where she says, I'll have my revenge and death too. Yeah. <laughs> which leads you into the title. And I said, we got to do that. <laughs> and Roger hated it. Okay. He hated it. He said, he, but he couldn't cut around it because it was just without it. It didn't work at all. So when she turns around and says, I'll have my revenge and death Doctor too, there was a, a flame bar underneath the camera and the flames would come up and obscure her. So, mm-hmm. so if you cut that line out, it was <laughs> impossible to g- get around those where that was going. So it ended up in the movie. I'm glad it did.
1: Yeah, okay. I, I, I have to just reiterate what happens in that scene for people who don't know it before, because this is my all-time favorite opening to a movie just because of the sheer balls it took to do this line. <laughs> So the 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 main villainess is looking at the camera and she's mad that Death Stalker has just stolen her jewels. This is literally thirty seconds into the movie or something like this, and she's mad that he took her valuable gem and she looks at the camera and says, I'll have my revenge and death stalker too. And then the title card literally pops up Death Stalker 2.
0: <laughs> I'll have my revenge and Death Stalker 2. Six. Again, we weren't taking ourselves very seriously.
1: <laughs> yeah, I've seen people on YouTube because that clip is on YouTube, and I'll see people point on there or like comment on there. Oh, that's the worst opening ever! I'm like, do you people just not get movies? Like, <laughs> you don't think he was in on the joke when they did that opening?
0: If they if they if they don't understand that, then fuck them.
1: i mean that's really i totally agree with you that's such an amazing opening to a movie and just having the balls to go for that joke and i think you told me this was only like what your third movie you'd done at the time
0: uh it's my third it's my third director director director's job yeah
1: so yes sir that took stones (laughs) good job on that one
0: you know i figured i'm in a foreign country it's a it's a sequel and it was the script was awful I mean, it truly was. I don't. I don't think I have it anymore. But we, re, we, re, you know, whatever they had on on the lot,
2: mm-hmm.
0: we would write a, a script there. You know, we had a scene that that boxing ring was on the lot. And I said, "Oh, John, we got to <laughs> we got to write a Rocky. We got to write a Rocky riff riff here." So we did. And I think Roger finally got it when I called and asked to, for Queen Conk to come down. He finally got it. He threw on a plank and sent her down. And it was worth worth it to me when I saw her.
1: I was, was going to say, the scene Jim is talking about is like the Amazons. At one point, Deathstalker gets captured by Amazons, and they literally just have a boxing ring out in the middle of the forest. Which I love that scene. Again, that's the scene that I first stumbled onto this movie where Deathstalker has to fight the Amazon champion. And for people who grew up in the 80s and watched the gorgeous ladies of wrestling, that's Queen Kong in there in arguably her greatest movie role where she comes out and fights Deathstalker in the middle of the forest.
0: Yes, that was a lot of fun, a lot of fun.
1: Okay, so here's something else, Jim, that I've always loved about this movie, and when I first saw it, again, I was just enamored by this movie, because you don't see many movies that were like this of that era, is that there's several points in the movie where John Treleski or Monique Gabriel have to say a line that's really very stupid and corny, and they know it, Yeah. and they say the line, and they laugh. And it's obvious they're laughing at how dumb this line is, and you actually kept it in the movie, and I thought that was so charming. There's because like there's certain scenes I can think of in particular where. Uh...
0: Can you give me? Can you give me an example? I'll. I'll it is, you know, I I know the film pretty well
1: okay so Deathstalker and evie are hung out by a tree they're hiding from these bad guys in the night by a tree and Deathstalker says they're never going to catch me you have to get up pretty early in the morning to catch the prince of thieves
0: oh it, it is pretty it is pretty early in the morning
1: <laughs> Yeah, an arrow shoots into the tree and evie says it is early in the morning and then she starts giggling and they, they ride off stage left
2: do you think we lost them
1: you got to get up pretty early in the morning to catch the Prince of Thieves.
2: It is pretty early in the morning.
0: Uh, uh again, the script was full of fun and and uh I I just had a blast, you know, cuz uh, here it it was it and you could they had very good chemistry, so you saw that the romance was 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 you know blossoming with them, mm-hmm. even though they you know Deathstroke you know kind of was standoffish. You knew he was taken with her, mm-hmm. and and uh, so you know that's how it all worked out. I mean, some of the other things we had put put in. I mean, you, you must have seen that awful. A massage scene. I didn't like that. That didn't turn out very well.
1: Yeah, that's only in the DVD version that I have. I don't think that's in the normal VHS one that I used to have.
0: No, I, that that was taken out because I didn't like it. Um, and uh, there was a thing that n- never made it anywhere. Where we, and we where the we showed the kingdom, co- the kingdom's coffers. Mm-hmm. Okay, and we cut to a room, this dungeon room. We with a lot of spanish guys coughing
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: and i don't know why it didn't end up in the movie but it didn't i think i remember why it now i remember because it, it ruined the pace of the- when when at the very end of the movie um they're about to you know kiss and and, and say say i do mm-hmm. uh, i thought it, ru- it ruined it ruined the pace of that so i i left it out yeah but uh, there's so many, so many <laughs> wacky things we tried to do in that movie. That that
1: <laughs> here's one. Here's one I wanted to ask you about. Evie and Deathstalker are uh, laying on the ground and they're about to kiss. And Deathstalker pulls back at a certain point, And he's like, uh, and she's like, "Why don't you kiss me?" And he's like, "Well, I just think there's a time and a place for everything." And Monique says, "Well, you know, the top half of you may think it's the wrong time, but the bottom half of you definitely knows it's the right place." And there's a beat, and then they just start busting up. They just laugh, and that's one of those things. I know they're busting up at like at the joke. That's, I th- that's almost like a ruined take, and like you kept it in the movie.
0: I left it in because I thought it, it showed personality.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It, it showed that they had that these two people really liked each other, and and you know this wasn't a serious movie. <laughs> no, it was a it was a sequel to. Uh, a movie that I didn't give a rat's ass about, <laughs> and I wanted to make my own own kind of movie.
2: Yeah, and you know,
0: as it turned out, it is it seen I believe it has eclipsed the original, and that more people like Deathstalker Two than they, than Deathstalker One, and uh, so I'm very happy about that.
1: Yeah, and just uh, before we wrap up here, I only have a couple more things I wanted to ask you about. Um, I just want to get people to understand the limitations under which you would work under in a movie like this. Because, like, people see this movie and they think, well, it's kind of cheap. Like, you can see the castle set isn't very well done. And, like, at one point, they reuse. I think the castle scene at the end is actually the bar at the beginning, but they tried to hide it to make it look like it was two different sets. Is that true?
0: bar was its own bar. And, okay. And the castle was its own castle. I mean the interior where the where the big where the big sword fight is that was not the bar.
1: Okay, it looks the same. Oh, it may
0: look the same, but but it, here's the thing: all those sets existed when I got there. Mm-hmm. Okay, all of it existed because it had been made for other movies. Mm-hmm. So nothing I'm just trying to think. if There was anything that was done express. Oh, the one thing that was expressly made for the movie was the mausoleum. Oh okay, but other than that, all those sets were on on um, at the studio. I had whatever I had to work with. I worked with, and because some of it was cheap looking, I think okay if this is this is if this is a comedy, people can overlook that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I and they seem to you know do it. On the version you have, there's a scene where you can see a car in the Amazon. <laughs> yeah. And I think I pointed out it in the commentary.
1: You do. It's great. I was just going to ask about that. Yeah, there's literally a scene in this movie where there's a a car parked in the road in the background behind the Amazon forest camp.
0: (laughs) You know, it was it 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 was there's a tire as well. Yeah, there's a tire in the the tires left in, but the on on the Blu-ray they they cut off the top and bottom as it was supposed to look and and. You can't see the car in the, in the, on the Blu-ray. Wow. But on that DVD version, which is full frame, you can see that car so well.
1: Okay, and, and the other thing that you mentioned on the commentary that I just, again, just why I love this movie so much, why I love your commentary, is that you point out in the movie, every single time in the movie Deathstalker Doctor is attacked, it's by three villains, but they're always in different costumes. And you pointed out in the commentary, you only had three stuntmen as villains in the movie, so you just re- redressed them in new uh, outfits every scene.
0: Well, we tried to make them look different,
1: <laughs>
0: and we put masks on them or whatever it was. I love those guys, but only I didn't have a lot of money. The the, the most stuntmen I had was during the bar fights. Oh yeah,
1: <laughs> that's something. Once you know that, and you watch this movie, you can't unsee it. It's always Deathstalker's always being chased by three people, and you just realize it's always the same three actors in different masks.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Anyway, I, best I could it's the best I could do with what I had at the time. So, and I'm I'm glad you like it.
1: I do. And I'm sorry, just before you go, there's one more thing I wanted to bring up just because it's really close to my heart as running this podcast is the the music from Deathstalker 2. Oh yeah. I don't know if you realize I use the uh Deathstalker theme as the end titles for this music when at the, when, at the very end when we're fading out. I always use Deathstalker's writing theme and at one point, I had asked you a couple months ago if I could use the main Death Soccer theme as the opening to this podcast. I ended up not doing it, but it's, it's got one of the greatest movie soundtracks I can think of, and it just adds to the legend of this movie, because the music is like one of the greatest soundtracks ever. It's amazing.
0: Well, that was done by, uh, most of it was done by uh, my good pal, Chuck Serino.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: He wrote that score um, uh, before he, he never saw the movie. Wow. He never saw the movie. I, I called him from, from Argentina and I said, I need a score. And I said, I need, you know, send me 12 versions of the, the main theme. Mm-hmm. And I said, I need this version this version, this kind of version, and he did he sent it all to me and what i couldn't use what I couldn't use in the movie I used from the original soundtrack from um, their first death Talker,
2: mm-hmm.
0: which was uh you know pretty good pretty good uh composer did first death Talker. but you know there was a serious like kind of showdown theme I used during the 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 final uh, sword fight and You know, different things. But Chuck's music is really great. And I'm glad it finally got an album.
1: Yeah, it's great. I just recently bought the album and I you know, I, I cut the, the tracks off there and use them on the soundtrack. And I'm so excited because I've been wanting to use the main Deathstalker theme in an episode of Staff Picks, and I haven't done it yet. But this episode, right before my intro, I played the uh, full Deathstalker theme. So I'm hoping people will get to appreciate that because, again, it's just fantastic. It's one of my all-time favorite movie themes. And it's just, again, this movie so fun, so many crazy things going on. Again, you guys just made something out of nothing. Again, you had no budget, no actors a terrible script and you went down to argentina and threw it all together and threw in as many jokes and references as you could to the point that it's like it's almost like you have a barbarian movie starring michael keaton or bill murray almost that's kind of the feel it has
0: well i thank you i'm glad you enjoy it (laughs) i i i like making it and um i have fond memories of being down there um uh shooting it and um I'm glad a lot of people have, have come to like it over the years.
1: Yeah, it's just, a, so again, one of these movies I've been pimping out for 20 years to people. And just before we go, I have to say one of the greatest bits of trivia about this movie, and I'm sure you'll back me up on this one. The lead villainess in this movie, her name is Tony Naples. At one point in the script, you didn't know what to do with her, so she literally just walks off the movie, correct? She just leaves.
0: That's right. Uh, I said, I don't want to kill her. I don't want to kill her just in case there's a... Um, a sequel to mine, and I do it. Mm-hmm. I've got somebody I can call and say, "Get down here." <laughs> and so, and, and so when the battle gets when the battle gets tough, she just takes off. She says, "I'm leaving," <laughs> and I, I didn't want to kill her off. I liked her too much, and I said, ah, "Just tell them you're leaving."
1: Yeah, that's something I didn't catch until I heard the DVD commentary, and you pointed it out. I'm...
0: Where a villain just says, "I'm out of here." Okay? Yeah. <laughs> and that's what she does. She t- she takes off. <laughs> and <laughs> I'm laughing now just thinking about how I told her, no, just say I'm leaving like a chick would do. <laughs> I'm leaving. Where are you going? Leaving. You owe me your life. I owe nothing to any man, even you. Good luck, because you're going to need it. Get out of my <gasps> way. <laughs>
1: Yeah, like I was saying, I, I never even noticed that in the movie till you pointed out in the commentary And <laughs> she just leaves the movie. And this is like, we have this great ending of the movie, and it all comes together. And then, like a cherry on top of the sundae, you have bloopers at the end of the movie, like the old Cannonball Run movies. Oh, yeah. Which is fantastic.
0: <laughs> I had to put the bloopers in. The bloopers were hilarious, so I had to put them in. So, <laughs> it, it makes me want to go watch this movie again. So, um, anyway, Mario... I'm getting out of here, and um, I thank you for the nice, nice words and the kindness you've shown me. And I hope uh, one of your or two of your listeners actually goes
1: out and watches it. Okay absolutely, and again, if I can make you want to watch the movie, and you made the damn movie, I'm so excited that maybe I can talk some people into watching this, so again thank you Jim for showing up, my name is Mario Lanza, this is Staff Picks, if you need to reach me, you can reach me at StaffPicksPodcast at gmail.com, or on Twitter at Mario Lanza. and again until I uh, talk to you again I will be out there searching for more underrated movies that just need a little more love, I'll talk to you guys later, bye
2: (music)
0: Come on, let's go find that horse and get the hell out of here. Oh, and uh, would you mind taking that knife out of that guy for me? It's the only one I got left.